welcome to episode 58 of the United Pubcast, a special one as we are doing this online because Larry and I could not meet up because as you're aware, if you're in Sydney to travel around, you do need to travel by boat because it's currently flooded absolutely everywhere. So there was no chance of Larry and I meeting up this week. But I am chatting with a guy I met in Perth um, during the pre-season tour, the Man United pre-season tour this season. Um, Adrian, how are you? Good. Thank you. Uh, thank you for having me on. I do appreciate it. No, a pleasure. I remember my first memory of you, I think, was you were the referee in a, the five-a-side tournament we played over in Perth against, um, I remember Flex from the United Stand played for the Perth team. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was a good blast. And uh, yeah, because obviously the uh, committee knew I was a referee. So they kind of approached me and said, oh, you know, do you want a referee? So I said, yeah, why not? Would be a good opportunity to. I, was, I remember that. It was a bit of a shame. They used, um, he was there with his cameraman and they captured a lot of footage of sort of the whole tournament. And um, they never actually used it for that Blood Brothers season that, that, that they were doing. But um, there would have been some good footage there, I think. But yeah, yeah unfortunately, they didn't use it. Yeah, yeah, I did. I I do subscribe to a flex, so I I have tried to look for the footage, but yeah, I never seem to find it. So uh, I think there was sure one, one, one or two like little ten second bits here or there, but mm. um, yeah, nothing too substantial. But I guess I guess that's what they do, and um, maybe he's in control of what they use. But, yeah, um, that's right. Just before we get into it, um, it seems a lifetime ago that we we're in Perth, but um, what's it been like this year in Perth? Um, because obviously your kickoff times are a little bit different to here in Sydney. Um, the day games are a little bit friendlier to you, but obviously the Europa League games are a bit more of a test. Where for us in Sydney, they're not too bad. Yeah, um, been struggling this season. I'm not going to lie. Um, like you said, kickoff times for us. I mean, for both of us, they're, they're really poor. Um, most most Sunday nights, eleven o'clock, and you know people have work the next day. Um, so, um, the PMUSC haven't really been able to host official events because the interest just isn't there. Um, and you know, like this weekend would be like a perfect weekend because, um, we're not coming off, you know, European games. So like yeah. this week would have been perfect to have an eight thirty game on a Saturday, which is, you know, prime time for us. But of course we now somehow play on a Tuesday morning instead. So yeah, that's brutal. Um, yeah, I think the kickoff times actually haven't been too bad this season. It's just when they fall on a Sunday slash Monday morning. Exactly um, right. Yeah, that, that's the real hurdle. But, and um, then Europa League as well. You know, yeah. four forty-five in the morning here. Yeah. Um, well, although the clocks do change towards the end of the season, so hopefully um, for both you boys in Perth and us in Sydney, we can set, get some good kickoff times to um, get together at the pub and hopefully watch a top four chase or maybe an FA Cup, etc. That but, would um, be nice, yep. We'll get into the actual football because there, well, there is, hasn't been any football recently, but it um, feels like a while since Bruno Fernandes made his debut. But we will start in and around Bruno Fernandes and the midfield situation because a lot of, well, not criticism, but a lot of sort of observations of Bruno's debut was... Where was he playing? He sort of started in that 10 position, then he was drifting a little bit to the right, and then the second half, even by Solskjaer's admission, he played a lot deeper, sort of mm. in, a, in a holding midfield role, almost in that Carrick role. And um, just getting your thoughts first before we move on, where do you think, or what type of player do you think Bruno Fernandes is, is from what you've seen? Like, what position do you think he is best suited to? It's hard to judge. It feels like 
he's he's a person that wants to drop back and get the play going. But then I think we're missing that lack of quality for him to pass to someone who can then relay that pass further on. Um, and I think he just needs two better ball players. So I think hopefully once McTominay comes back and, and fits into the squad, we'll see how that changes the d- dynamic and whether Fernandez will stay at that 10. But it just felt like he wasn't getting the ball in the right positions and he wanted to drop back himself and yeah. start creating from the back. Um, so it's very hard to judge what his best position is. Um, we'll just have to wait and see a few more games down the line and, and see how he adapts to different positions and how he adapts to the players around him and, and sees their qualities and, th- and their weaknesses as well. So it's hard to judge at the moment, but we know what he's capable of doing. So, you know, just let him play where he wants to play it and kind of, uh, I reckon the other players around him should adapt to him rather than him adapting to the players. Well, that's one of the things because because he, he, he's almost, look, I'm not comparing him to Paul Pogba, but he's almost got the same attributes where he can do a little bit of everything. He can sort of drop deep, he can dictate the play, but he's also that creative threat and a real goal threat. So it's hard mm. to say, well, play him deeper and that's great. You can get something out of him, but you're also limiting him at the same time. Um, I'm just thinking there, you mentioned McTominay coming back. I'm thinking we all know, look, we'll get into Pogba in a little bit, whether he's going to be staying or going. But in terms of when Pogba comes back, he's going to play 100%. So when Pogba comes back, Pogba's playing, Bruno Fernandes are definitely playing. Fred and McTominay, where do they fit in, in terms of one of them has to play, because we'll definitely play some variation of three in midfield. But whoever you're choosing, are they playing at the base? I think Fred probably would, but if McTominay comes in, do you see McTominay sitting um, sitting by himself or sitting with Pogba? Um, what sort of midfield trio do you think is sort of what Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is aiming for when he, when he eventually has everyone fit? I don't know. It's hard to judge. I mean, I think he just... Ole just needs to base that on, on their training. I mean, if, if he feels that... You've got to also look at Fred and McTominay, the, the two different players, especially in in build and size. I mean, McTominay is, is quite a tall figure um, where Fred is quite small. So it could also depend on, on games or on yeah. certain opponents that we play. However, could we see a four-man midfield where we play a 4-1-2-1-2 with a diamond? Um, well, that's a formation I really that... like. However, the only issue with that for me is not so much a midfield issue. I think that would be actually fantastic for our midfield in terms of the type of players we have there. The only issue I have there is the fullbacks because the fullbacks then becomes sort of such a big attacking weapon. And look, as love as much as we all love Aaron Wan-Bissaka so far, he's not the best at getting forward. And I think mm. um, we'll lack a, definitely a lot of width um, with that diamond in midfield. However, I don't think Solskjaer will play that diamond. Actually, he played it once or twice last year, I think, actually coming into the Chelsea game. I think he played it away at Chelsea last year where Pogba himself yeah. did um, get into the box and score a goal. But um, just back on Fred and McTominay, I think Fred, we know, while he does have attributes to get on the ball and get forward and create, not that he's showing fantastic um, output in that regard, but he definitely, definitely does have that in his locker. Mm. I think we definitely Away. see him now as a number six. Yeah. But um, what about yeah. McTominay, do you think? Because I think everyone says when McTominay comes back, play him in behind Pogba and Bruno. 
However, I don't think McTominay is that... Not that he does a bad job in that area. I just think he's so limited there. I think he's all, I think he is better getting forward. Um, he's obviously pinched in with a couple of goals this season. So yeah. in regards to McTominay, um, where do you, do you think he's better as that box-to-box midfielder or do you think he's a defensive midfielder? I think he's young and energetic. Um, and I think he can be a box-to-box midfielder. But he's not going to be a type of guy like... Fernandez and Pogba where you're like, go on, hit it. You can score from there. You wouldn't expect that from him. So I think he has the energy to go and do box to box. However, I wouldn't I wouldn't really see him I I see him more as a defensive minded midfielder, but on the odd occasion would like to push up just for that option. Well, it is interesting because I'm just looking at it there when because Pogba and Bruno are going to have to play when they're both fit, they play. And that leaves one of Fred and McTominay. And as much as we all, as much as we miss Scott McTominay and as much as we want to see him back in, I don't think Fred deserves to be dropped. And obviously yeah. that's Manchester United, that's Premier League football. It's cutthroat. It's sometimes you're just gonna have, a player's going to have to deal with being dropped. Absolutely. But it, yeah. but it just feels a little bit, oh, he, he doesn't really deserve it because I remember as a kid you didn't want to grow up. You, you didn't want to grow up and get that most improved award. But at this level it is something to be almost proud of. And Fred is definitely, I think, the most improved player at the club. There's, even mm. just within this season, I remember the way he started the season. I was done with him. I thought, no, nah, he's never going to make it. He doesn't have it. But um, he's proved me wrong in recent weeks. Yeah, he he even had some very good performances at the back of back end of last season. And one that really stood out was when we played home and away to Barcelona in the Champions League. Yeah. I thought it was fantastic. And I thought, okay, you know, maybe something good can can come from this. So keep him at the club, keep him fit. And you know, see where the next season takes us. And yeah, look, I've, I've got to be honest; he's he's been very good this season. Yeah, well, it's a good memory of you from you. I tried to wipe that Barcelona match from my memory, but um, you've brought it back there. Um, David de Gea's mistake. I'll try and quickly forget as forget it for yeah. as quick as I can. It's one of those things, isn't it? Talking about Pogba, though, weird one. He's not playing and he's not involved, but he's still dominating the headlines. Just um. Because me and Larry, obviously, we have our little Pogba segment every single week. Just your, almost just general thoughts and guess as to whether he potentially stays this season or do you just think it's inevitable and he's off to, or if he is off, where to? I'm not sure. Honestly, he plays for United. He's at the club, just like managers, just like players. I support them. I back them as long as they've, you know, at the club. Look, if he goes, he goes. Okay, we've essentially almost bought a backup, but it'd be a shame to bring quality to the club and then have, yeah. and we all know this, have a good quality player leave. Um, I think that's the fear as well. I think one or two murmurings have come out of the club that it's potentially is looking to it as a Pogba replacement and sort of the Bruno, what's it cost, about 50 million, has eaten a decent chunk of the summer transfer kitty. Mm. So... Look, I'd like to see him play. I'd like to see him perform. And I'd really like to see Fernandez and Pogba play together and see what that brings us. I mean, I've been talking to a couple of guys recently. And if you think about it, we have not played a full-strength squad since we played Wolves in the second game of the season. So the whole season, we haven't played a full-strength squad. And I'd really like to see those two play next to each other and... See what they bring. 
Yeah, Does it no, work? No, hundred percent. Because um, look, Solskjaer has, definitely has his faults, one hundred percent. And maybe the injury sort of situation we find ourselves in, maybe we can point the finger to Solskjaer a little bit. But just what you said, they're playing a whole season and never been able to play your full team. That's harsh on any manager. Like you just can't expect. Look, we don't expect miracles, but you're definitely not going to get them when yeah, you're definitely not playing your strongest team each week. Yeah, hundred percent. Now, let's... people seem to forget. Sorry, people seem to forget that we just field the youngest team in the Premier League yeah, yeah, week by week. So, no, yeah, it is something. It is what it is. It is something people sort of do, sort of conveniently sort of flick over that we are playing such a young team and everyone does call for patience when you have a young team. However, we're fielding this young team without the patience. We, we demand the results straight away. Exactly right. But just on, let's let's say Pogba goes. Is his replacement Bruno Fernandes or there is, and I think it comes from no football this week and someone trying to fill a column in their newspaper. Jack Grealish, the latest transfer news, says there is... Potentially, he's moved ahead of Madison as the number one target in the summer. Your thoughts? Uh, first of all, your thoughts, if you were to pick, if you had a unlimited funds, James Madison or Jack Grealish for you? Um, it's a difficult one because we've heard a bit more of Madison because of being at Leicester and, you know, Leicester have been in the Premier League. Jack Grealish has only really just come through now because Villa have just made the Premier League, so it's just like... Oh, yeah, he's had a couple of good performances. You know, he seems like a good player. I think Madison has been looking better because of also partially last season as well. Yeah. However, I don't know. I they're, they're both quality players that I'd like at the club. I, I can't I can't really pick between the two. I mean, you I know. I think it'll be interesting with Grealish. I think a lot will depend... Maybe not so much in him leaving Aston Villa, but a lot will depend on United's, I think, ambition to go from if Aston Villa get relegated. Because I think mm. if Aston Villa stay in the league, I think his price goes up to maybe 60, 70, 80 million. Or if they get relegated, that, yeah. you assume maybe it'll be in and around 40 or 50 million. But and, and I assume a lot of clubs will be after him, though. Exactly. And especially him being English, well, both of them being English, yeah. it's their price tag will just be above and beyond. I mean, we'll probably pay more for those than we did for Bruno Fernandes, but oh, Bruno yeah, Fernandes will be the better player. Yeah, one, yeah. You, you can't pick it, that, but that is something that happens. Bruno Fernandes is definitely a better footballer, definitely a better pedigree. But, um, and I think wages as well. I said this to Larry a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, and who knows, I have no idea how accurate it is. They say he's on potentially less than 100 grand a week. And you look what we pay some of our English players a week. Um, it does pay to be English in the current climate of the Premier League, 100%. Yeah. Um, moving forward on the pitch, someone who is, hasn't kicked a ball yet and is almost becoming a bit of a cult hero, the new Nigerian, Igalo. Odian Igalo, I think it is. Well, mm-hmm. I don't know it is, but that first name, Odian, I think you pronounce it. I think he's... It's weird. I just think we always knew he was a fan. I remember he's linked under Louis Van Hal, and I think what attracted a lot of fans towards him at that time was he was quite vocal about his support. And every fan wants to see players who love the club play for them. So we've naturally got that connection with him. But he's obviously done his first interview, and it just it, look. I've said this before. Every player can do the perfect first interview. The the interviewer sort of 
lobs up little beach balls for you, hit out of the ground. They're really easy questions. You can answer your PR department answers them perfectly for you. But with Agalo, you just got the sense that it was speaking sort of from the heart. It was very genuine. So mm. yeah, on Agalo and Marshall, got both of them written down here. I think Agalo starts through the middle now, and he hasn't kicked the ball. He hasn't done anything to deserve that. But I think given our situation and Martial's performances through the middle, I think Martial is now pushed to the left and we have to play with the Gallo through the middle. Yeah, I, I agree. In my opinion, Martial isn't a striker either. I, I don't think... We, we've put him there because he can score and when he's up top, he can put in good performances. However, I don't I don't see Martial as being a striker. Where Igalo, he he is a striker. It's and I think if we don't play him there, then what what are we doing? Well, what do you say? And obviously, it's not part of the solution at the moment because he's out injured. But Rashford, Martial, is obviously we always draw similarities in terms of their performance and their position. You just said there you don't think Martial's a striker, and I go through phases. One one week I think Martial is our next number nine. One week I say getting back on the left hand side. I, I can never pick can never pick it. But I also find myself in the same situation with Rashford thinking, well, is he a striker? And when he scores, you think, yes, fantastic. But then when the game doesn't sort of go his way, I think, ah, oh, he's probably better out on the left. So just your quick thoughts on Rashford there. Do you think he's potentially a, sort of that striker we need or do you think he's better from a wide position? I think he is better from a wide position and, and this season proves it. You know, he's, what, on 19 goals now in all competitions for the season? I think he'll, um, he's definitely beaten his record. Yeah, and... Uh, he even said it himself. He prefers to play in the wing. Um, so it'd be if all of them are fit, it'd be nice to see maybe Dan James given the rest and playing those three well, up he top. He definitely, he definitely needs one. Dan, and not not through any fault of his own. Um, I think it's just the way we've had to play him every single week, and I think yeah. he's starting to feel it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, just on I'd there, like just, to see those um, three up top. Just in regards to the strike position, because I think both of us there lean towards Marshall being better on the left and even Rashford being better on the left. However, if you had yeah. to pick, I think we'll play Rashford through the middle. Just look, in saying that, I think Marshall's probably the better finisher. But look, there we are with Rashford with a, a higher number of goals. But just um, we obviously need midfielders, potentially another defender, etc. Do you think? <laughs> We need to invest in a striker in the summer. Let's say Gallo leaves, which is likely going to happen. Do you think Rashford should be given that sort of responsibility, or do you think we need to go out and sign a big money striker? Um, I reckon we go out and sign a big money striker, someone young, someone that's going to be at the club for a number of years. You know, we we signed Zlatan, and you know, he although his injury, his time was always going to be cut short. Um, he wasn't going to stay there for five, ten years. Let's be honest. He was always only going to be one or two years. Yeah. We need to sign someone that can make an impact, lay his foundations at the club, and become a club legend. But I don't think Rashford is suited to that striker role. I would prefer to see him out on the wing and have a proper striker up front. Well, I probably agree with that, but I think it's hard when you look at it. You look at our position in the league, and it maybe it maybe doesn't happen. Look at the one year where, well, it seems to be every year we're in the Europa League, but when Mourinho came in and we're in the Europa League, the names we attracted, Mkhitaryan, 
uh, Paul Pogba is Latin, so we can attract players in the Europa League. But it just has that feeling if we do qualify for the Europa League again, that we won't be able to get the... And maybe we will be able to, but it just feels like we won't be able to get the player that we want. Mm. Yeah, I agree with that. Well, on actually the player, well, not the player that we want, but a player that we could get, which we've just mentioned, which might fly under the radar. What do you think? There's any scenario where we keep a Gallo? Do you think there's a solution, like almost a Solskjaer thing, like where Solskjaer won ten games in a row and he gets the job? Do you think there's a scenario where a Gallo goes and scores ten, fifteen goals and we win a trophy, and they reward him with the contract and he's our number one striker? Or do you think? The club will sort of learn, not learn from the mistake of Solskjaer, but learn from the Solskjaer, the Oli situation. And whatever Agalo does, forget it. He's on loan, that is it. He could score 30 goals and win us two trophies, still get rid of him. Nah, I think if he if he can come in and make an impact, why not keep him? Yeah. Um, if, he, if, he, if you can see that he's scoring goals and that he is improving the team and we start getting better performances because we have that proper striker up front. Why not give him a contract? Why not? He's he's only 30. I mean, only 30, but, you oh, know, yeah, keep him for a couple of years, you know? Yeah, I wouldn't have it. And look, he might come in and be a disaster. Who knows? I'm saying this with the hope that he goes on to score 10, 15 goals. But yeah, I think I wouldn't have any issue if he performs well and contributes well. No issue in keeping him as long as there is an eye to bring in a number one striker and a Galo sort of is what he is, a sort of a striker on loan, and he could almost play next season sort of not on loan, but as that bit of a squad player, a different option off the bench, as long as we have a different um, or a more permanent striker. Yeah, I'd have no issue if he performs well to um, letting him stay, because I think he has the potential to be a real sort of cult hero. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree. And um, I actually watched uh, Stevens Housen's video the other day, where it's kind of analysing Igalo and him being in the Premier League and then going away, and he said he's actually the third player that's going to be um, gone to the Chinese league and then come back to a European club. And the other two that were have gone away, one was Axel Ritz, who I can't remember who the other one was, and it really shows that when they went to China and came back, they actually were better after coming back from China than they were in, in their first stint. So... I hope Igalo will have that same impact as well, and and it'd be nice to see him perform. So, look, like you said, he's here for six months. If he's a flop, he's a flop, okay? But he's a United fan. He wants to play for United. He's going to give his heart to United. Let's just give you give him the time. Don't don't judge a book by its cover. Yeah. Give him the time. Let him play, and then judge him after six months. Well, it's an interesting point you made there about players coming back from China. And I think it, it might, well, sort of hoping with Igalo's case, it might just be a, a mental thing where they, they're playing in a league where they're dominated and they're sort of the main man and they just sort of gain that confidence. So I think he went to the African Cup as well and I think he's the top scorer. Yeah, he was, yeah. Cup. So you, you look at some of the attacking players that are there, sort of Salah, Mares, Mane, etc. So I think it doesn't matter the level. If you're scoring goals, that just becomes a habit. And you just have that yeah. confidence about you. So um, if he's going there, almost use it as tune-up games and comes back. And look, I think so much will depend on the Chelsea game in terms of if he can grab a goal and we get a result, it will really not not just kick us, kick um, United into gear because we obviously need to win, but um, definitely kick him in and it's giving him the perfect start. And mm. Well, on the Chelsea game, we might as well. We'll finish with the Chelsea game. Um, 
I just looked at the table there. It, it, you don't want to say it in February, but I think it's a must-win game. You just look, look yeah. at the table, and maybe that's an overreaction because we know Chelsea got to lose games in between now. Sheffield United are going to drop games. Everton have now seemingly above us, so they're going to drop games. We're definitely going to drop more games, so you can never pick it. But just given how tight it is, and now, yeah, as I said, we're in eighth, we still have four teams to jump. I think it's a must-win game, or it's a must-not-lose, in my opinion. I think we we need yeah. a result. Yeah. Uh, look, I mean, I was a bit skeptical skeptical when we went to Chelsea uh, early in the season for our FA Cup game. I thought it was going to be tough, but I'm I've got a bit more hope going back there now and thinking that we can get the same result or or even a draw. Look, it's. It's a hit and miss, Stamford Bridge. We sometimes go there and we get absolutely wrecked, but then we go there other times and it's just like we put in really good performances. So, well, I think Solskjaer has been there. Has he been there three times now or twice and one? I think, I think there's two trips there and two wins, but um, it still has that feel. I remember it was before Solskjaer went. It was I don't know ten or twelve games we hadn't won there, and I, yeah, while Solskjaer does have a good record there and seemingly good form there. Still going away to Chelsea just scares the shit out of me because I just have yeah. that feeling of it's it's just a game I pencil in as a loss, but yeah. um, it's a weird one because Chelsea is. You look at the criticism Solskjaer and has rightly received, and it's a complete. I understand it's a completely different situation at Chelsea in terms of the transfer ban, etc. But they're just as inconsistent as us. Like they're only what, exactly a couple of points exactly ahead of right. us in fourth, and um, I've seen them lose games at home to far worse teams than us. So yeah. I think it's potentially just one of those games that whoever shows up on the day will do it. Mm. And, um, when you look at their last three games, 1-0 uh, loss to Newcastle away, 2-2 two, two at home to Arsenal, and then they lo- uh, drew 2-2 two, two away to Leicester. Well. Yeah. And I, th- I think that 2-2 two, two draw against Leicester away, I think that's, that's probably their best result. Yeah. But still, I, I think, yeah, they're... I reckon they're more inconsistent than what we are, um, and but it's the thing is it, it's what happens on the day. And I don't um, think they brought anyone in in the January window, if I'm, if yeah. I'm correct in that. So you don't know that they definitely did need to improve on their squad. And look, Bruno Fernandez wasn't enough for us. We definitely, or Bruno and Agallo, we still needed more. But Chelsea definitely needed more. So you don't know how they if they're going to start to fade away because they've obviously got a very young side as well. Um, mm. We won't sort of preview too much on the actual tactical side of the Chelsea game because a lot can happen within a week. We might have another three injuries by the time picking sort of start 11 comes around. So we'll just touch on just your general opinion on what you would do and what do you think Ollie would do in terms of the the approach because it's coming into the last couple of months of the season now. Given our sort of cast your mind back to Mourinho's first season when it became that decision of do you chase the top four or do you prioritise the Europa League? Just given our situation now, do you think Solskjaer does start to sort of put his eggs in one basket or do you think he still goes for both or do you think because of the squad we have he has no option but to just play the strongest team every week? Sort of where do you stand on that? If Would you prioritise the Europa League or do you still think top four should be the, the bread and butter? Um. I would still prioritise the top four only because we're only in the round of 32 in the Europa League. What stands out with Mourinho is if he says something, he will deliver. Okay, and he's he's a type of manager that says, I'm going to win the Europa League. And he did. He he put his money where, where his mouth is. And 
I think Solskjaer can't do that just yet. Look, get me to the quarterfinals of the Europa League and we're in sixth or seventh. That's where we go, hmm. And, and you see who's still left in the competition. That's where you go, yeah, okay, we're at a point now where let's focus on winning the Europa League and whatever happens in the Premier League happens. But I think right now, with even how close the the uh, the ladder is, you know, one or two wins and the others drop points and we're already back in fifth and we're already back in that contention. And not to forget, a win against Chelsea would then also really help that because they are fourth at the moment. So I think at the moment, let's focus on, on the league and then, you know, Let's talk again in a couple of months. I think you bang on there because, as you say, I went through the list the other day of teams in the Europa League. A part of me does say go for the Europa League now. However, just the point you made there of it's still such a long way. We're still round of 32, still got to get through Bruges. But I looked at the other teams and the only... Probably one of the teams that scares me in the competition is Wolves. You'd have to beat Wolves over two legs. But the only team that I really think would start underdogs against would be Inter Milan. And mm. look, in a cup competition, there's a very good chance you wouldn't draw Inter Milan. Like, who knows, they could get Ajax or Wolves or Arsenal, etc., and they could easily go out. But I think as bad as we seemingly are, I still think we're in that top two, top three favourites for the Europa League. No matter who we draw, nine times out of ten, we're going to be the strong favourites to go through. Yeah. So it's a weird one, but I think yeah, just what you said there, just given this early stage, I think it's decision... Solskjaer doesn't have to make yet. I think you can see how yeah. this first couple of games against, especially this Chelsea game, and how other teams in and around the top four go over the next month or so. And then if we're still in the Europa League, then... Uh, but I think a decision will have to be made because our squad uh, our squad can't compete over two fronts. It's just too thin, in my opinion. Mm. And, yeah, look, it's this is where it does get rough. You know, you win Europa League, it just adds games. So I think you just need to approach every game now like you just need to win um, and just see where the results take you. Um, I think we just have to be patient like we have been for too long now. So, and just, yeah, like I say, see where the results take us because we don't have an easy run of Premier League games. Um, Chelsea away... Then we've got, I mean, look, I'm not going to lie. We've got Everton away, okay, yeah, on the 1st of March. That, that one worries uh, me. That one worries me too. A, because of last season, and two, because they are performing at the moment. Yeah. Then we've got City. Then after that, we've got City at home and, and Tottenham away. You know, those, and then Sheffield at home. Yeah, it's a tough <laughs> We're playing. It's a tough run. I'm just reading it out there. It doesn't, it doesn't sound good. <laughs> That's where I'm tempted to just say go to the Europa League. I just think we're so inconsistently. I can see you just rattle off those teams there. Look, there's, there's, there's a situation there where we go and win four of those games, but we could easily lose four of those games. Yeah. So um, and amongst that, we've got uh, FA Cup away and a both legs of the Europa League as well. Yeah. Um, oh God, that's I've got nightmares thinking about Wayne Rooney in that game. I, I can just see it. <laughs> I'm not looking forward to that FA Cup match. However, there was a stat that came out that said Rooney's played against United six times and lost all six. So um, I don't know if that's good or bad, but um, I'll cling to it while we can. Now, just before we finish, just something we usually get all guests to talk about because everyone does sit one side of the fence or the other. 
Although, to be fair, I'd probably sit right on the middle of the fence here. Just your general opinion on Solskjaer, and I don't want to say are you in Ollie in camp or in the Ollie out camp, but just your general feelings on the current situation with him and everything that... Because it is a sort of never-ending debate. Um, a lot of people do sit on one side of the fence or the other. Yeah, look, and and this is exactly what I said at the, at the start of the podcast. I said, he's at the club and I'm going to back him. I'm never going to... I'm never... I was never, ever um, Jose out and I won't be Oli out because he's at the club. You need to back him, Okay. You can see glimpses that he's like, yes, he knows what he's doing here. His record against top four, top six teams, this however long he's been at the club, is phenomenal. I think he's lost two games, one being Arsenal and Liverpool and maybe one more. And the rest, what, about 15 games if all won or drawn. And I think you look at that and then it's just like, yeah, okay, he, he knows what he's doing, okay? And he's, he's background staff with McKenna, uh, Mike Phelan and Carrick, you know, he, he, there's good support there. But then we have results like losing 2-0 at home to Burnley and you're just thinking, oh, what happened, you know? Yeah. But I'm going to back him. I, I'm, I'm always going to back whoever's at the club. Um, just like a back Paul Pogba, I will back Solskjaer all the way. That's what I get. Um, I get into so many arguments, and I shouldn't do it, but I get into so many arguments every day on Twitter. I can say, if you're Ollie out, 100% fine. You're probably right, and I'll probably agree with you. You're probably not the right man. We probably need a better manager. However, even if you think that, it shouldn't take away from your support of him. I think people think, if you, how can I support him if I don't want him there? It's it's a completely separate issue. I, Ashley Young, I didn't want Ashley Young at the club, but 100% he had my support during that match. Because you have a decision to make. You can Two choices of fan. One, you can support and encourage, or two, you can abuse them. And you mm. have to choose which one is going to potentially provide better results. And you have mm. to support it, even if you don't want them there. 100% valid opinion, and I'll probably agree with you. But you have to support yeah. them. You definitely can support them and have an opinion that they're not good enough. Exactly. And I go back to the point I made before. Look at our squad. Yeah. Let's say Solskjaer goes and manages City, okay? Or Liverpool. It'll be a completely different situation. Yeah. But you've got to remember the conditions that Solskjaer is managing under. The the players that he's managing, we've got Mason Greenwood and Brandon Williams, two players that have stepped up from the reserves into the first team. We've got um, a championship player that's, you know, just come to United. We've now got two new players in... Or three, four new players in Igalo, Fernandez, Maguire, Wambasaka, yeah. all coming into the squad. It's just, you know, McTominay also you, quite then, young. Yeah. Well, I think, but then also every point you make, the one hundred percent spot on. And add to the fact, Rashford, our top scorer, is now out. Pogba, our best player, has been out for pretty much the whole season. McTominay has missed a huge chunk. Who was probably provide probably been our most important player this season when he when he has played. Yeah, so, um, absolutely. Look, Solskjaer does deserve criticism 100%, but when you sort of point these little things out here and there, all these sort of little things, they add up into a huge problem. And Exactly. Some of the problem maybe you can direct at him in terms of overuse of players, etc. But you can also use that as a stick to beat Woodward with in terms of the recruitment side of things. So, yeah. Just to finish on Solskjaer, one thing which I think is going to happen regardless of what Solskjaer does, and we saw this with Louis van Gaal a couple of hours after he won the FA Cup, 
my personal opinion is Pochettino's coming in regardless. Just your opinion. Do you think it's inevitable that he comes in or do you think Oli sort of can save his job? I try to not think about that. I just try to think that we've got a manager. Let's not let's not focus on anyone else. I think what we need to remember is he's our manager. Let's let him do his job. If he gets sacked, he gets sacked. Okay. And whoever comes in afterwards. But how much better is Pochettino over, over Solskjaer? What yeah. what has he proven at Tottenham? He's a good manager. I'm not going to lie. He's made them better. With the players that he's brought in, he's made them better. But he's got nothing to show that he is a good manager. See, there's parts of me agree with that, but I disagree as well because I look at it to the situation when he, and I don't know the stats where Tottenham were when he came in from Southampton, but I look at the position we're in now and we're not a title challenge inside. So I think the job he did at Tottenham to make them into that good side, because we can sit here now and say we're not a good side. Mm. I think when Pochettino came in, he did give Tottenham that kick and sort of, I don't know if they were ever in a proper title challenge, but they were in and around that discussion as a team who can win the title, where United definitely mm. aren't. So I yeah. think in terms of rebuild job, especially with the young side, I think he's shown he can do a sort of positive job with a side like that. So... That is why, if Solskjaer is to leave, I'm happy with Pochettino. However, I do see the concerns with him in terms of at that elite level where we want to be. And he definitely had a very good team at Tottenham. What really did he... Look, he did very well. But in terms of stats and numbers, technically he did nothing. So exactly. it's a yeah, fine balance in action. But I'm sure we will be doing many podcasts over the coming weeks and months regarding Pochettino and Solskjaer because... Let's face it, it's not going to go away. Even if Pochettino signs for Real Madrid, they'll still link him to United. So that is definitely not going away. Um, Just about wraps up for this, unless there's anything else, nothing else United-related that's popped up in the news. Uh, No, not at the moment. I don't think so. Um, Yeah, so hopefully everyone has enjoyed this podcast. Um, I will be meeting up with Larry probably later in the week when it's well i don't know if it's going to stop raining in sydney for anyone who's here you do realize how bad it is so hopefully we can meet up or one of us will have to buy a boat and we'll start paddling to the pub but um thank you adrian from um perth for joining us um just give us a quick reminder did perth the supporters club still watch the games at the casino yeah we do um they yeah I mean, our, our first go-to is the casino, um, yeah. but if yeah, if we do get lucky and have an early kickoff, then that's when we can kind of arrange a private event. Right. And anyone listening in Sydney today, if you've listened as soon as this podcast has been released, remember on Monday night, the Supporters Club meeting is out at Parramatta at the Albion Hotel. So we'll put a link on Facebook, but um, it would be good to get out there. We might record something if there's enough down there who want to chat about... Pogba or Poch or anything so yeah again that's tonight by the time you're listening to it Monday night at the Albion Hotel Parramatta so again thank you all for listening make sure you follow us on UTD Pubcast on all your Facebook Twitter etc and please make sure you subscribe on whatever podcast app you listen to listen to us on so it just pops up you don't need to wait for us to tell you when it's up Um, Adrian thank you very much for joining us Thank you very much for having me on and I hope that you know you don't have to buy a boat and you can hopefully see Larry later on this week. <laughs>
um, yeah, no, thank you very much for having me on. I do appreciate it, and hopefully, I get the opportunity to be on no, again. Definitely have you on again. And as you've seen, every all our listeners, um, all you need is a Discord account, and wherever you are, we can easily have you on. And keep doing podcasts so I don't have to meet Larry face to face. So thank you all again and chat to you soon. Hello, hello, hello.